We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon fans, what's going on? Hope everyone's doing well, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast, your go-to podcast for all things Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. It's Friday, Friday the 13th. And uh, there's a lot of things to talk about here in the world of Oregon football. In case you missed it, we talked about Oregon's latest commitment out of the transfer portal. That is former five-star edge rusher Jordan Birch, who comes over from South Carolina. Obviously, some strong ties to Dan Lanning over there that helped the Ducks win out in that recruitment. Um, And then in case you uh, are looking for some written content, I uh, posted a recent update on 2024 Conroe, Texas, Oak Ridge High School linebacker Justin Williams, who just recently put Oregon in his top six schools. Uh, That was just about a week ago, but he tells me that it looks like he is closing in on making his college commitment. He's visited Oregon twice and had a lot of good things to say about the Oregon staff. Lots of competition from Schools in the Lone Star State, TCU, who's fresh off a national championship appearance, is one of those schools. So if you haven't already, go on over and make sure to give that a read. Uh, And um, if you guys are here on uh, YouTube, at Oregon Football Max Taurus is where you can find me. Go ahead and hit that like button for me and go ahead and leave a comment in the live chat. Want to know what your guys thoughts and feelings are about Oregon football recruiting. Like I said, this is a mailbag episode. I did already get a lot of questions in for this episode. If you guys want to get a mailbag question answered on a future episode, the best way to do that is to follow me on Twitter right there at mtorissports is where you can do that. We're also coming to you live on Twitter at mtorissports. So Hello to everybody over there on Twitter that is giving us a watch right now. Pleased to have you guys uh, on board to talk some duck football with us today. And uh, thanks for taking some time out of your day to talk some duck football. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and hop into our first question of the day. The first question of the day comes from Stephen at Stephen Cole 541 on Twitter. 
Steven asks, who do you think will have the biggest impact from the tra- from the portal as well as the 2023 recruiting class? Let's start off with the transfer portal because I think that is, um, you know, probably the, I'd say one of the easiest uh, areas we can address. Uh, and then two, two players really come to mind, maybe even three, but I think without a doubt, the biggest impact player from the transfer portal for Oregon right now is looking like it's going to be Jordan Birch. And the reason I say that is not only because there's a need, he's playing a position of need as an edge rusher, but there's just not a lot of guys that Oregon has on their roster or have had for that matter that bring what Jordan Birch brings. That's six foot six, 275 pounds, athletic, fast, um, playmaker. You know, he had a, I want to say he had a pick six, really good clothing speed, closing speed, not clothing speed, closing speed. Um, someone with long arms that's going to be able to also be effective in the run game. And uh, I think really helped take Oregon's pass rush to the next level. Because if you think about it, Oregon's pass rush doesn't lose a whole lot from the 2022 season. Obviously, you lose DJ Johnson, who moves on to the NFL draft, along with Noah Sewell. But for what it's worth, I thought Oregon should have blitzed Noah Sewell a whole lot more than they did. So if you look at it from that perspective, they're not losing a whole lot from a pass rushing standpoint with Noah. But Noah was a very, very skilled pass rusher. I thought that was one of his best strengths when you could just cut it loose and let all 6'2", 6'3", 250 of him just go after the quarterback. Um, And then you also lose Jordan Riley, who exhausts his collegiate eligibility. But a lot of that defensive front is coming back in terms of a production standpoint, right? You have Mace Funa coming back as well. He was one of the veteran, he is one of the veteran edge rushers in this, uh, on this team. Um, So I think that from the portal, I'm going to go with Jordan Birch. Uh, I think also that he was such a highly rated recruit, which is, you know, kind of what makes him an easy answer. But I think a lot of people think that maybe there was a little bit of untapped potential there in terms of him not finding, you know, that perfect role out in South Carolina. Now he's with Dan Lanning. Now he's with Tosh Lapoy. I think that Jordan Birch is, you know, the kind of guy that Lanning and Tosh have wanted to get on this roster, but you just don't find them that easily at the high school ranking uh, from the high school ranks. And then even if you do find them in the transfer portal, it's not super often or super common that, you know, you kind of have all those dominoes fall in just the right spot. Like they did with the timing, with the connections to landing, with the need on the roster uh, and, you know, a fairly, fairly easy track to uh, a starting job. So I think that's why I want to talk about Jordan Burge, and I think he's probably going to be the biggest impact guy from the transfer portal. But there's a couple other guys that that come to mind for me out of the transfer portal that I think are worthy of, of uh, consideration or at least a mention here. I think one of them has to be Kyrie Jackson, the cornerback who comes over from Alabama uh, and the Crimson Tide out there in Tus- Tuscaloosa. I think he could have a big impact because Oregon just really doesn't have uh, a lot of production at that position. You know, you do return some experience uh, with Triquez Bridges and, and Dante Manning. Um, but I, I think that if you were to ask them, they they probably think they would have had a bigger impact. They would have certainly liked to have had a bigger impact at the college level than they've had thus far. So that's not a slight to them. That's just, I think, um, that's just, I think, a reality of the situation. So you bring in a guy like Kyrie Jackson, who's got size and speed 
And um, I think you're, you're hoping for him to be a plug and play starter for you from day one, like Christian Gonzalez was. And let's be honest, or let's just be frank. I feel like I'm saying let's be honest too much. Let's be frank. Christian Gonzalez, his addition went as about as well as you could possibly have expected, right? If, if Kyrie Jackson can come in and, and give you something similar to what Christian Gonzalez did, then you will take that every day of the week. But I say all that to say that Christian Gonzalez was an absolute stud. You're seeing now that he's getting some some very high first-round draft projections and a lot of praise within the NFL draft circles, and, and that's definitely well-deserved. So I think Kyrie Jackson is absolutely a name that you have to watch coming to Oregon out of the transfer portal from the University of Alabama. And another one I'm going to throw out there is Ajani Cornelius, who transfers over from Rhode Island. And, you know, he first kind of got on the radar and – I didn't know a whole lot about him. I was seeing that there was so much praise around this guy from Rhode Island. And I was thinking to myself, as I'm sure some other Duck fans were, Rhode Island? Really? You know, that's not exactly a, a, a program, at least from my understanding, that is known for, for high-level football. But I think that when the coaching staff was, was laying out the plan for, for Bo Nix to come back for another year, Offensive line was a huge area that you had to address because you're losing everybody on that starting, a lot of guys on that starting offensive line, excuse me. Marcus Harper comes back, Stephen Jones comes back, but now Adrian Clem's able to go over there, Dan Lanning's able to go over there and talk to Bo Nix like, hey, we just got arguably the top guy out of the transfer portal uh, at offensive tackle. Um, there, there really wasn't a lot of really top flight, top end offensive tackles in the transfer portal. He's going to come out to Eugene and block for you next year. Don't worry about all those veterans leaving. We're going to get some guys to come in there and uh, and help bolster the trenches for you. Uh, and then that's why you also have to mention the guy like Junior uh, uh, Junior Angelau, uh, who comes over from the University of Texas. Another big addition uh, and a guy who's played a ton of football, even though he got banged up in the 2022 season. So those are some names out of the transfer portal that I think definitely warrant consideration. Um, and then the second part of Steven's question, the biggest impact from the 2023 recruiting class. So we're talking the the prep level. I think that, uh, I mean, this is a really good class. There's a, there's a lot of, a lot of ways you can go, a lot of places you can go here. Uh, but a couple guys come to mind. And I think one of the guys that comes to mind for me right off the bat is Daylon Austin, the cornerback from my neck of the woods at Long Beach Poly. Let me go ahead and see if I can bring up some uh, highlights here on the fly uh, because Daylon Austin was an absolute uh, an absolute stud for the Jackrabbits all year. Not a whole lot of film. I, a lot of times these guys, they, they post their film and uh, it's just game by game. So it makes it harder to to use on a show like this when I want to show you, you know, extensive, extensive video, but I'm going to go with Dalen Austin as someone that I think can be an instant impact guy at the next level. Um, if you remember watching his commitment video, you had appearances from Dan Lanning. You have appearances from Rashad Wadud, who is uh, now on the staff at Oregon and he played a central role in uh, this recruitment here. Let me go ahead and share these, uh, share these, um, share the screen with you guys. So got Dylan's highlights here. This is from his junior season, but I still just wanted to get some tape out like I was saying. But in that video, you know, uh, the coaching staff was talking about how this is really the 
this is really the sorry i just removed my audio there hopefully you guys can still hear me uh this is the kind of system that you know, a player like Dalen Austin is primed to thrive in one that that looks for corners that are long, athletic, can run, um, and I think Dalen Austin is is definitely a guy that fits into that mold, right? He's a guy who who runs track as well. You can see him here making an impact in the return game as well. Uh, so he brings added value there. He's a playmaker. Uh, a guy who can, you know, make a play on the ball and and landing said, you know, kind of one of those guys that you can rely on to, to leave him on an Island and uh, you know, just take away one half of the field. Right. And that's essentially what they were able to rely on Christian Gonzalez for. So like I said, Kyrie Jackson is a guy that you can try to get some of that depth from some of that big production from, but you have guys from this 2023 prep ranks that I think can also, uh, they're also going to be hungry uh, to to come to Oregon and, and make an impact right from the jump. And Lanning talked about how from his time back at Georgia, he had Dalen Austin uh, at a camp and he was saying, you know, I saw that guy and I got to have him. Um, so I think that Dalen Austin, he's a, a late flip in this class from LSU. I know when I moved out to Long Beach, Dalen Austin was one of those recruits that I wanted to have my eye on. I was going to have my eye on throughout the call, the 2022 season because of those connections that Oregon had to him. So uh, I'll be honest, I was kind of kicking myself for not logging a prediction on Dalen Austin because I really thought that flip was one that was realistic and uh, had been in the work for months. But the fact that they were able to flip him and sign him early is uh, is a tremendous win for, for Dan Lanning and this coaching staff because from my interviews and conversations with Dalen, he was someone who wasn't really in a uh, in a hurry with with his recruitment to kind of finish things off he told me he wanted to take all of his official visits he wanted to go through the track season and uh now kind of from what i'm what i'm being told it's looking like they're trying to get him enrolled early uh for uh for spring football so he's not going to be able to to slide into this window in the winter um but he's a difference maker at cornerback for oregon so i think dalen austin is absolutely someone that could uh could compete for for playing time early at Oregon as one of the better recruits out of the state of California, out of the talent hotbed that is Southern California. Another name that you have to keep an eye on at cornerback is Cole Martin, uh, who just recently won a state title with the Basha Bears out there in Chandler, uh, an open division title in the state of Arizona, which is a state that it feels like every year I cover players from Arizona, their stock just keeps rising, keeps rising. So I was able to chop it up with Cole in San Antonio when I was over there for the Adidas All-American Bowl, and uh, he's he's ready to go, and he's excited to be uh, to be you know developed by his his father Demetrius Martin. Um, definitely a unique opportunity for him to uh, play under his dad, but uh, you know we're still just watching these highlights from Dalen Austin, who is just an absolute game breaker. You look at the speed, you look at the the ball skills, the the football IQ. It really just feels like Dalen Austin is a, a massive, massive upgrade in this 2023 class. And, um, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be a day one starter by any means. We all know how difficult it is to do that. Uh, I mean, even Mikel Wright, who is probably the, the corner that I can think of playing a lot of ball uh, at Oregon as a, as a young guy. Um, I mean, we even saw how long it took him to kind of break through into a starting role. Thomas Graham played a lot as a freshman at Oregon. 
Um, but that was more so out of necessity because they just didn't have a lot of depth there under that staff. And then Diameter Lenore, who's now on my San Francisco 49ers, played a lot of ball as a young guy at Oregon. But I think that I definitely have to have to throw Dalen Austin in there as someone who could definitely have a big impact as a freshman. And then another name, we got to go to the other side of the ball to talk about another guy that I think can make a big impact uh, for the Ducks on offense. I'm going to go with Jurion Dickey. Jurion Dickey was an absolute stud at the high school level. He, um, let's see, at the at the high school level, uh, as a senior, he transferred from Valley Christian in San Jose. And so these are his... These are the most recent highlights that we have for him, you know, extensive extended highlights, I should say. I think he only played about three or four games at Menlo Atherton before uh, an injury cut his season short. But uh, Jurion Dickey is absolutely a guy I think can make a huge impact for at Oregon as a freshman. And you look at the opportunity for playtime there, right? You lose Chase Coda, you lose Dante Thornton. Two guys that uh, you know were definitely getting some snaps. I think Coda obviously more than Thornton, right? but that was still a depth piece for you. Seven McGee over at Jackson state, Dante Thornton now over at Tennessee. So I think that Jurion Dickey is a guy that I am confident will step on campus at Oregon and make an immediate impact as a duck. He is just that good. Number two wide receiver in the 2023 rankings, according to, uh, according to 247, just behind Zachariah Branch, the Bishop Gorman wideout who is headed to USC. I believe Dickey came in at number 14 or number 15 in the entire country. So he can just do it all. You see the speed. You see the route running. Certainly has the physicality. He goes up there, wins those 50-50 balls. He's a guy that you can throw the ball over the middle to and feel confident that he's going to come down with it. I think that there's also some uh, potential value there in the uh, return game just because he's a guy that you want to get the ball in his hands. So you're looking at him, Troy Franklin, two East Palo Alto guys. They're from the same hometown. Definitely a unique opportunity there. You see Jurion making making some plays here on defense as well. He's not going to be enrolling early at Oregon. Uh, I think uh, at least not right now in this window, like I talked about with Dalen Austin. Um, this was an interesting recruitment to follow because when I talked to uh, Jurion in late October, he said he was still 100% with the Ducks, but there were still some schools that were rec- recruiting him and he was planning to take all five of his official visits. Fast forward to the early signing period and Oregon is able to get him on campus right before the early signing period and get him to ink that national letter of intent an absolutely massive win there with programs like Tennessee, Penn State, Texas A&M, all still recruiting him at the time of him signing his national letter of intent. And then you get his younger brother uh, also, uh, also in the fold um, from the junior college ranks out there in the Bay area at offensive line. So he's a guy that I definitely want to learn some more about, but I think that to answer the last part of this question, this just went on for a while, but I got, I got fired up about it. Jurion Dickey on offense. And then on defense, I think Dalen Austin is someone to watch at corner without a doubt. So let's keep it rolling and uh, get on to our next question from the uh, from the mailbag. This is the second question coming from Gerard Berry at GT Berry, frequent listener of the show. Appreciate the question. Gerard's question, what percentage of the 2022 roster will be at Oregon in 2023? This is a good question, right? A lot of people uh, are seeing all the transfers that Oregon's taking 
and have certainly been following the departures from the team as well. And you're kind of looking at it and just saying to yourself, wow, this is a lot of movement in a single off season. But um, I think it, it's, it makes a lot of sense and we shouldn't be super surprised. Right. And the number I'm going to go with here of the 2022 roster, that's going to be uh, playing for Oregon, be at Oregon in 23. I'm going to say I'm guesstimating here. I'm going to say between 65 and 70% uh, right now, based on where things stand. We've already seen a lot of transfers out of the portal, right? Um, out, out of Oregon, excuse me. Uh, but I think that there's still some transfers on the way. And I know there's another question about transfers later on here in the show. So um, I'm going to say 65 to 70, but it makes sense because you got to think about it. Dan Lanning was in a unique situation and Oregon's not the only program, the only program, excuse me, or a program podcast. As you guys know, Oregon isn't the only program in the country that is going through, you know, kind of a big overhaul like this. You're even seeing Georgia have a lot of guys entering the portal, uh, which is another question that got asked later here. So I don't want to spoil it too much, but Dan Lanning got hired and the timing of his hire was right before the early signing period in 2022. So he didn't have as much time as a lot of these other coaches were to kind of leave his mark on the program to, to manage his roster, perhaps the way that some of these other coaches were. He didn't have a lot of flexibility because it was like, hey, you're hired, and here's signing day, just like that at the drop of a hat. So now that he's had the entirety of the 2023 recruiting cycle to really get his guys, now is the other part of it, right? You're going to see some guys you have tough conversations with, and and you just have to tell them, hey, you're not going to be playing here. I think that or it's, you can, you're welcome to stay, but – you know, this is kind of an uphill battle for you. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Those tough conversations with players where it's like, Hey, you know, we appreciate everything that you've done, all the effort that you've put in, but we don't know if this is the right place for you. Uh, it might be in your best interest to, to look for another spot. Those are conversations that happen at every program across the country. So I think that uh, that's part of the reason that we're seeing so many players leaving uh, from uh, from Oregon just this uh, just this time around. All right, and then Gerard actually had a second question that I'm going to go ahead and hop in here because I thought it was interesting. He said, "New offensive system, so many put so many new players and such a young roster. Dare we say, quote, rebuilding year?" And I say, absolutely not. I do not think this is a rebuilding year for Oregon, even with all the departures on the offensive line uh, and, you know, some of the departures that we've seen in the secondary, uh, you know, losing Noah Sewell is, is obviously significant, but you're bringing in some guys from the transfer portal to help fill in the gap there. Justin Jacobs and Connor Soley are, are two that come to mind, but there, there's still some guys that they could add, still some time to add between now and the start of, of spring football. But I don't think it's a rebuilding year. And a big part of that is because Bo Nix is coming back. Um, I mentioned, I've talked a lot on this uh, on this podcast about how just Oregon hasn't had consistency from a year-to-year, season-to-season basis for so long at the quarterback position. Not since Justin Herbert was at Oregon. And even when he was at Oregon in his final season in 2019, he was handcuffed uh, by the offensive staff, by Mario Cristobal, um, we all just know that that was just a, a ground and pound type of offense that really didn't allow Justin Herbert to showcase his full ability. We're seeing it every Sunday now in the NFL, 
Um, I think that's kind of the only explanation for why we didn't see more of his, you know, amazing gifts at Oregon as a passer while he was here. So I don't think it's a rebuilding year. I think that, uh, I don't think that Oregon's in the, at the, the spot in college football to say, we don't rebuild, we reload necessarily. I think they're very close to that, but I talked about Bo Nix coming back. Uh, as part of a big reason that it's not a rebuilding year, but also the transfer portal. Look at the transfer portal players that Oregon's brought in. I think they're at either nine or 10 right now. Uh, So they are bringing in a lot of guys that they needed to address some needs. I'm thinking about doing a podcast solely focusing on how Oregon has leveraged the transfer portal to retool their roster heading into 2023. And then look at the, the talent that they're bringing in in the recruiting rankings. You know, in, in Dan Lane's first full class, right now they sit at number 12, according to uh, 247 Sports in the 2023 rankings, which is still good for the top spot in the Pac-12 rankings. I think that's a really good spot to be at, and I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon was able to finish in the top 10 uh, when all of this is said and done. Next question, moving right along, we got... Xander Brown at Mr. Underscore Brown on Twitter, who asks, what's the position that still needs the most attention for 2023? I think right now, just when I kind of give this, uh, when I give this, uh, you know, question some thought right off the top, cornerback is the first spot that comes to mind for me. Uh, I like how they've made some additions along the offensive line. I like the wide receivers that they've brought in. Um, I like the running backs that they brought in. That's a position that's just teeming with talent, overflowing with talent, gushing with talent, whatever word you want to use. That room with Carlos Lachlan is absolutely stacked. Dante Dowdell, Jaden Lamar, the two 2023 signees are already in Eugene and enrolled. So if I were to look at any position on the offensive on the offense, I'd say maybe a little bit more O-line maybe another tight end now that Cam McCormick has entered the transfer portal and Maliki Matavau has moved on to UCLA and the Ducks missed on Jamari Johnson late in the 2023 cycle. But you also have Nicholas Harbor who they're looking at, but I'm not sure if he's necessarily a tight end or more of a wide receiver. We'll talk more about him later on in the show. But if we're looking at defense, I think that you want to try to add another corner if you can, just because the past defense struggled so heavily last year. There's some good pieces there in that cornerback room under Demetrius Martin. A lot of young guys. Maybe Jaleel Florence can take a step forward. He played a decent amount, the most of any 2022 cornerback, any true freshman cornerback. Uh, you have Dante Manning coming back, Triquez Bridges also back, and then Kyrie Jackson, who I who I mentioned. But I think if you can add another corner, that would definitely uh, behoove you. And uh, you never want it. You can never have too much depth. But then I'd also say linebacker for sure. Uh, on defense with with Noah Sewell leaving. Um, I think that you want to add some more pieces there on top of Justin Jacobs and, and Connor Soley. You also have Jerry Mixon uh, in the 2023 class coming out of San Francisco, California, Sacred Heart Cathedral. Super versatile guy. He can do a little bit of everything. Uh, also played running back for the offense, quarterback, uh, put his hand in the dirt sometimes and came off the edge. That is a versatile, versatile linebacker. Uh, and then you also have Keith Brown, who I think came on really strong at the at the end of the 2022 season. Keith Brown's definitely taking a step in the right direction, and I like what he presents for the Ducks. Jackson LeDuc heads over to UNR. 
So uh, that was another depth piece for Oregon that took a hit. So I think, I think if you're going to add any more guys, if there's two more spots on defense that maybe could use a little bit more help, I'm going to go cornerback and linebacker um, for, for, for right now. So great question from Xander uh, about which position still needs the most attention. Um, so there's also some more guys like Roger Pleasant that they're going after in 23, but he's get, he's getting asked about later um, later on. So we don't have to say too much about him uh, right now. All right. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break for those of you listening to us on the audio side of things. Don't go anywhere. We got more Oregon football recruiting mailbag for you after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. Thank you guys for taking some time out of your day to join us on this Friday, or maybe it's Saturday or Sunday, depending on when you're listening to this. Do me a quick favor while you guys are here. If you guys are here in the live chat, smash the like button and subscribe to the channel. We just passed 2,000 subs not too long ago, and I am incredibly grateful for your guys' support. So go ahead and make sure to like the video and subscribe. So moving on to our next question. Our uh, next question comes from Travis Novotny, uh, at Travis underscore Novotny on Twitter. Hopefully I'm saying your name right. Apologies if I'm not. I'm doing my best. Travis asks, should we get a few more O-linemen in that room, or do you think that we're good? So before we answer this question, let's just take a look at what the Oregon offensive line room is looking like as it stands right now, heading into the 2023 season, heading into spring football. You got guys like Junior Angelau, who comes over from Texas. He was kind of an interior guy. You have a Johnny Cornelius who comes over from Rhode Island. You also have Marcus Harper, who was probably one of the biggest success stories from the 2022 season in Adrian Clem's offensive line room. Because just rewind it for yourself, if you could a little bit, Stephen Jones gets banged up early in the season. 
Marcus Harper comes in there and does not miss a beat. Marcus Harper was an absolute beast for Oregon along the offensive line last year, and I think it was very easy for him to get lost in the mix because you had so much veteran, so many veterans around him, such a strong veteran presence. But he came in there, he stepped in that left guard spot and absolutely dominated. So huge, huge props to Marcus Harper. I'm a big Marcus Harper fan. Even before Dan Landing and Adrian Clem got to Oregon, he was a guy that the his fellow offensive linemen in that room were constantly raving about. Um, also, you know, got ready to play some center. Uh, so maybe we see him play a little bit of center next year, but he did really well at left guard. So I feel like you can feel comfortable playing him there. You have Jackson Powers Johnson who comes back. He was a, a signee from the 2021 class who played quite a bit as a true freshman. And then last year as well, uh, he's another guy who really played all over the offensive line. But I think the the staff feels more comfortable with Jackson Powers Johnson playing on the interior whether that be at guard or maybe he's the next center. I feel like the next center is going to be one of Jackson Powers Johnson or Marcus Harper. If I had to, if I had to guess right now, you have Steven Jones who comes back for another year. He played a lot of right guard uh, alongside uh, Molly Sala Amavailaulu uh, when Sala was still at Oregon, but he's heading off to the NFL draft right now. And then you also have Josh Connerly Jr., who played the most out of any 2022 offensive line signee in that recruiting class. He kind of got his role on that 14J jumbo package when they they bring in, you know, all the offensive linemen, the extra tight ends, and they go in the eye formation with Jordan James. But he played a whole lot. You'll remember last year he even caught a touchdown pass on his birthday against Colorado, I want to say it was. So Josh Connerly is someone that this staff is super high on. He was the the highest offensive tackle recruit in the entire country, I want to say, from 2022. So he's going to be back and ready to take on a bigger role. And then you also have Faope Laulaulu, one of two Laulaulu brothers uh, on this team with Iapani coming over from Honolulu in the 2023 signing class. He's recently enrolled at Oregon as well. So those are some of the guys that you have in that room. And uh, I think when we're looking to next year, this is where the transfer of a guy like Dawson Jaramillo kind of uh, kind of maybe, you know, pops into your head or maybe hurts a little bit because he was a really solid depth piece, but he entered the transfer portal and is looking for a new home. So I think my long answer to this question from Travis about, do you maybe want to get a few more alignment in that room or do you think we're good? I think maybe a few more couldn't hurt maybe one or two. Um, because if you can't get some, some more, you know, one or two guys, maybe from the transfer portal, uh, I think that you're in the position where you need to get some guys from the 2022 class to take a step forward. You know, can you take, can guys like Dave Yuley, can guys like Kavika Rogers from the 2022 class take a step forward? Are they ready for a bigger role, uh, if they are called upon? Because basically right now where Oregon stands, I think that they have a really solid first group but there's still a couple more pieces that they're going to want to try to get figured out in terms of having a second line ready to go. And whatever position you're coaching or playing in college football, you want to have a dependable two deep. That's the uh, recipe for success. So great question from Travis Uh, on the offensive line. I think uh, getting a few more would be great for Oregon, but if they can't, I think that they have some really talented recruits, some young guys that, uh, could give them some some good reps if needed. Next question coming from Z Mac 
at ZA6 underscore King on Twitter. ZMac asks, what do you think the chances are, percentage, to land either Harbor, Nicholas Harbor, Pleasant, Roderick Pleasant, or both? So these are two of the biggest recruits still uncommitted on Oregon's big board in the 2023 class. Roderick Pleasant is obviously a, a really talented recruit from my neck of the woods out here in Southern California, playing at Gardena, Unipero, Serra. Uh, Roger Pleasant is uh, really a guy who made a name for himself as one of the fastest players in the entire country, was an Under Armour All-American in the 2023 class. He's going to be announcing his commitment on February 1st, and he's down to a top five of Oregon, USC, UCLA, um, Cal, and... Um, Boston College. Um, big news with uh, the big thing to watch, rather, with Roderick Pleasant. He's taking an official visit out to USC this weekend. So I think that uh, that's obviously something that you need to need to watch uh, with uh, with Roderick Pleasant is that he's the top top cornerback that is still uncommitted right now. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pull up his highlights as well. Uh, and then just kind of keep searching to see if I can get any more, any more, um, any more updates for you guys on Roger Pleasant. But he heads to USC to take a visit to the USC Trojans. His official visit. I want to say it's his last official visit um, during his time as a recruit. So Roger Pleasant's special man. I think that after seeing him this year, you can obviously see the closing speed on display here in this highlight against Chaminade. Uh, if you guys, and then he also forces the fumble there and is able to recover it. He's an elite playmaker uh, for, for Roger Pleasant and Oregon. This is a guy that is being told that he has the opportunity to do special teams, defense and offense. So maybe we see Roger Pleasant getting some work as a slot receiver at Oregon. I don't know if he's being offered that opportunity at other schools, but he just got so much straight line speed and so much burst. I remember the first game I saw Roderick Pleasant play in against Long Beach Poly to start last season. I was surprised he didn't touch the ball a single time on offense because he's really, really special. Here he is against Nico Iamaleava and Warren in the playoffs last year, and he's able to get a pick here against Nico. Uh, definitely just a, a really nice play there by Roderick Pleasant. But to answer the question, I'm going to go with about 65% is kind of where my gut stands right now with Roderick Pleasant, right? Because you know he's fast. You know he's a track guy. You know Oregon has extensive LA ties. I think that if he really, really wants to be a difference maker in track and field, what better place to go than Oregon as he gets his second pick against Nico Yamaliava there in the highlights. Um, we know that track is playing a huge role for Roderick Pleasant. And then it's also going to play a big role in the uh, the next recruit that we're going to talk about. But just to kind of give some final thoughts here on Pleasant, I think that he is a little bit undersized for a, for a cornerback in terms of uh, if you want to try to find a slight uh, for him. Uh, he's listed on, on recruiting services at, at 5'11", 180. I probably think he's a little bit closer to 5'9", after seeing him in, in person. Um, but he's a special talent. You know, I don't want this to come off like I'm criticizing Roger Pleasant by any means. I think he's special. He's someone that you absolutely want to add to your class if you're able to. If he, uh, if he, you know, wants to wants to come to Oregon, you're, you're not going to say no, right? 
Um, so he, he's, he's a big talent for Oregon. And I think he's someone that Oregon absolutely has a chance uh, kind of coming down to the wire here. I'm definitely going to have to try to get an interview with him uh, before his uh, commitment on February 1st. Uh, sources that I've sp- spoken to uh, about this recruitment kind of feel like it looks like an Oregon and Boston College battle as it stands right now, which is kind of interesting. Um, so take that, take that, take from that what you will. Uh, but he did take a, a visit to UCLA before his U- USC official visit here. Uh, and I was told that, you know, the Dante Moore commitment for UCLA was part of the reason that the Bruins were able to get into that recruitment. They really hadn't been a player for Pleasant very much during his high school career. Um, but, you know, he was obviously, they, they were obviously able to, to get him on campus and, and they're looking to make some noise here late in the cycle. All right, let me go ahead and switch up the highlights here. Give me just a moment. All right. I'm so happy to be back on my monitor, you guys, after being away from Long Beach and and not being able to. All right. The next recruit that we're talking about in this question that is asked about, you know, what are your, the question was more or less, what, uh, what are your thoughts on Nicholas Harbor? Nicholas Harbor is a huge target for Oregon here in the 2023 recruiting class. Nicholas Harbor is a five-star prospect out of Washington, D.C., Archbishop Carroll. Looking at his 247 profile right now, he's rated five stars, .9911 on the 247 Sports Composite, the number 16 prospect in the country, and the number one athlete. He's getting a lot of praise as an edge rusher. He can make plays as a receiver, tight end. Um, when when my, uh, my colleague, John Garcia, Spoke with uh, Nicholas Harbor out in Orlando at the Under Armour All-American Bowl. Uh, he was told that, uh, you know, Harbor said that he wanted to play offense at the next level. But the interesting thing is that his role may not exclusively be offense. You know, he was kind of saying, I didn't say I wasn't going to play any defense, but I definitely want to focus on offense at the next level and, you know, maybe come in for some pass rushing snaps. And what makes him so special is that speed and athleticism that he has at six foot five, 225 pounds. He's got a lot of speed. He's a track guy, even though he's absolutely massive. And uh, the interesting thing with this recruitment, kind of from what I've been told after speaking to some sources, is that Oregon's track department is actually doing a lot of the heavy lifting here in this recruitment. Um, you know, that could obviously be a massive selling point for Nicholas Harbor and Roderick Pleasant, but we're focusing on Harbor right now as it stands in the, in the show. So I think for, for Harbor, the, the track team is, is interesting to kind of hear that they're doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting, you know, the track program at Oregon could be what pushes the ducks over the edge in this commitment. And they'll have another golden opportunity to really try to make some noise in this recruitment and ultimately seal the deal. Why is that? It's because he's going to be taking an official visit to Oregon on January 27th. So just a few short weeks away, excuse me. And that is a, an awesome chance for Oregon to try to seal the deal here, right? He's been to Oregon before. He kind of said in an interview that Oregon kind of gives him the best of both worlds from a football standpoint, from the track and field standpoint. Uh, you, know, you also have life after football Oregon, if he comes to Oregon, you know, they have the chance to, to tell him, you know, Hey, you're a track guy. All right, let me, let me get myself back on, on screen. Cause I'm getting, I'm getting into it. You're a track guy. You like running. You can come to Oregon, be a part of the Nike family. 
and let us let us make you into an Olympian. That's something that Oregon can pitch. And a lot of other schools, I think, can can say that, you know, they can do that or help him do that. But Oregon's got the track record, pun intended there, I guess. So Nicholas Harbor is a, a huge, huge name uh, for Oregon to continue monitoring on the recruiting trail in 2023. But the Ducks are not without their fair share of competition in this recruitment. You got schools like Michigan, South Carolina, uh, Maryland, also in the mix here. I believe both of uh, Harbor's parents are Maryland graduates. So, you know, that's going to give them some uh, some momentum um, in that recruitment. But uh, you see all the highlights here. You know, Harbor is really the full package. He does things on defense. He does things on offense. Um, I think that he gets to college and he probably doesn't want to put on a whole lot of weight, right? Because that speed is what makes him special. And it's so hard to hang on to that speed while also adding size. Uh, but I think he's the type of athlete that he maybe doesn't need to put on weight if you want to still have him be a guy who comes off the edge on only a, a limited number of pass rush snaps. And if he's going to be focusing on offense and focusing on track, uh, you know, Oregon is a school that has a history of having guys play football and run in track. So I think that that's definitely something that Oregon has in their favor, definitely a unique dynamic to their recruitment. So I said 65 for Roderick Pleasant. I'm going to go with, I think, about the same, 65, maybe 70 percentage chance for uh, for Oregon to land Nicholas Harbor. I think that the Ducks feel really good about their chances here, even though they are you know, getting involved pretty late here. But look at all the juice they have on the recruiting trail. You know, 2023 guys from the prep level. Um, they were also able to get, uh, you know, Jonathan Gill out of the D.C. area. Um, so that's something that's going to help them, I think, with, with Harvard, just to say, you know, we've recruited your area before kind of a deal. Not a huge factor, but certainly doesn't hurt in a recruitment. Um, and then look at the guys that they're bringing in on the portal uh, to, to just be, you know, super competitive and, you know, just take this thing into another gear in 2023. So I got some more questions to get to. So I'm going to have to uh, cut that question off there, but I'm feeling pretty good about Pleasant and Harbor as things stand right now on January 13th. Next question that we have. Um, oh yeah. Also, yeah, I think I talked about Harbor pretty much looking like the last visit. So that's awesome. Next question comes from Aaron Martinez. Aaron asks, do you think Dan and company will go after any of the Georgia transfers in the portal? Also, who are our, who are our top quarterback targets in the 2024 class? I'm going to take a quick drink of water and then I'll get into answering this question. So Georgia transfers. This is an interesting one for me because I'll be on Twitter. You know, I basically live on Twitter, you know, throughout the day. Uh, that's obviously how we see a bunch of news stories that come out, guys that get offered, you know, what have you. It feels like, especially after Dan Lanning got hired from Georgia to Oregon, anytime there would be a Georgia guy that went into the transfer portal, Oregon fans would just be like, oh, is he coming to Oregon? Like, oh, hey, this guy has landing ties. Like, you know, is it going to happen? But there are some guys that have hit the portal recently that maybe Oregon does have a good chance at. I think the two names that you're looking at here our cornerback Jaheim Singletary uh, from Georgia. We can start with him. He's a 2022 guy, so he was a true freshman. He just won a national championship with Georgia, but he's hitting the portal. He's out of Jacksonville, Florida, Riverside High School, had 29 reported offers, just an absolute stud. Um, 
but uh, but Dan Lanning wasn't the primary recruiter there. However, Singletary did have some interest in Oregon prior to signing with the Bulldogs, coming out of high school, took a visit to Oregon in 2019. Um, so I think that uh, that that you know gives you something to work with, even though I don't think that Singletary is the most likely guy of these two Georgia transfers that we're looking at. I told you earlier in the podcast, I think cornerback is a position that could maybe use a little more work. Maybe you look to get some more guys, um, more guys in that cornerback room. And then the other guy that you have to look at is linebacker MJ Sherman. He's the guy who just hit the transfer portal today, uh, signed with Oregon in the, sorry, signed with Georgia, excuse me. MJ Sherman was a linebacker recruit, four-star composite uh, that signed with Georgia in the 2020 class out of Washington, D.C., St. John's College, where the Ducks just got Jonathan Gill, like I mentioned in the last question, but see some familiarity there. And then the good thing for Oregon here, Dan Lanning was the primary recruiter for MJ Sherman when he committed to Georgia, plays outside linebacker. Uh, I think that it's another position that the Ducks could certainly use some help at with the edge rusher. You got Jordan Birch, Mace Funa, uh, Trevin Mae, and then you have a bunch of guys from the prep level that came in in 23. You're talking Mateo Uyangalele, Blake Purchase as two guys that could really contribute early. Uh, and then you maybe have Johnny Bowens, uh, Ashton Porter. So a lot, of, a lot of really encouraging talent from the 2023 class. Maybe not as much depth at edge as you would hope. But uh, I think that if you can get MJ Sherman out on a visit, uh, he's certainly, certainly worth a call. So I don't think that either of these guys are super likely right now, just going off of my gut feel right now. But I would say that MJ Sherman is the one that I'm a little bit more confident at, confident in if we had to choose one or the other, right? All right, what's our next question here? Um, oh, is the, the quarterbacks. All right. We have to look at some of the quarterback targets for Oregon in 2024. Uh, we're getting a couple comments about, uh, I see one about the uh, Ohio state five-star decommit. That is Chandler, Arizona quarterback, Dylan Rayola. Uh, I think that Dylan Rayola is certainly a name that Oregon's very interested in. Oregon has a lot of ties in the state of Arizona uh, they were recruiting at one point Demon Williams out of Basha High School. He has since made his commitment to Ole Miss in the 2024 class, but that's the quarterback that I really like in the 2024 class. But right now, so I would say that Oregon is one of a handful of schools that I think has a shot at Dylan Rayola, but it looks like a lot of the a lot of the buzz for Dylan Rayola is linked with Georgia uh, after he I think he went to he came out to Los Angeles for the national title game to see Georgia. So I think Dylan Rayola is a little bit of a long shot, but, uh, you know, I was able to meet with his coach when I was out at uh, the All-American Bowl and just talking about how he's such a special talent. He's He can do everything, um, you know, a really good pocket passer. He's able to keep his eyes down the field when he's, when he's improvising, you know, can throw the ball at all levels, all angles, just a do-it-all quarterback. So I do think Dylan Rayola is worth a mention, although I don't, I wouldn't say he's the most likely option for the Ducks right now. A couple other guys that we do want to mention, uh, Elijah Brown out here in Santa Ana, modern day 2024 quarterback, uh, just an absolute stud. I covered three or four modern day games this year and uh, Elijah Brown just felt like he was an unflappable guy, super confident, super calm and collected, 
no matter what the situation was. I think he's really underrated from an athletic standpoint. Um, but this is a dude who has football IQ like you would not believe. He lost his he didn't lose his first high school game until last year, his junior season, in that CIF Southern Section Championship game against St. John Bosco. That was his first loss as a high school quarterback. And another reason that's so impressive, I mean, you're playing with a bunch of really talented guys at modern day, don't get me wrong. When Elijah Brown was starting his high school career, you had all the COVID safety measures in place. This was a guy that had to learn the, the, the playbook over Zoom, essentially, right? He's a Zoom guy uh, is kind of the big thing that I was, I was talking to, to Bruce Rawlinson about before he retired uh, after last season that just really blew away, blew him away is that Elijah Brown was able to take so much of that, you know, knowledge and just soak it up and just, you know, kind of make it a, a seamless transition more or less. Um, all right. I need to try to find some highlights here because I keep forgetting that I have my monitor here. Um, so give me a second here. See if I can find some updated stuff here. He doesn't have a lot on huddle. Um, let me see what I got here. That's only 20 seconds. Okay, sorry. I don't really have any highlights for Elijah Brown, but if you follow high school football, you know who Elijah Brown is. He is one of the top quarterbacks in the entire country, and he's got offers from so many schools. Um, let me go ahead and uh, pull some of them up because he's definitely, uh, definitely worth a mention here. Oh, all right, 6'2", 180 pounds. Uh, he's ranked the number 17 player in the country, according to 247 Sports, number three quarterback, and the number one player in California. Those numbers drop a little bit when you look at the composite. Number 53 nationally, number six quarterback, number five prospect in California. The nice thing here, here is that Oregon has done a lot of work in terms of getting Elijah Brown onto campus. I want to say he's taken at least three visits. There was that one weekend last year, maybe the UCLA game when the Ducks just had like 15 guys from modern day all come up for a visit. So Oregon has definitely done a really good job building the relationship here with Elijah Brown, but there's no shortage of other schools. I think USC is a prime threat to, uh, to get Elijah Brown, but I think they're another school that is in on Dylan Rayola. Um, I know that USC really liked uh, TJ uh, Lagaway from, uh, from, from Texas. DJ Lagaway, excuse me, from Melissa, Texas. He's committed to Florida. Um, so you got to kind of see at quarterback more than any other position, there's a lot of dominoes at play here, right? So I think Elijah Brown is another player you have to look at. Uh, I think an, uh, another name that is going to be on campus very soon, actually, for a visit, I want to say next weekend, is Michael Van Buren out of Baltimore, Maryland, St. Francis Academy. Uh, he's an absolute star. Um, he's coming to Oregon. He's visited a, a couple times, um, but he's another big name that you have to keep an eye on in the 2024 class for Oregon uh, when it comes to the quarterback targets that, uh, that Will Stein is now looking at. I think there's probably going to be maybe some shift to a couple guys uh, out of the state of Texas, because that is where Will Stein has a lot of his ties. We talked about Lagaway. He's the top ranked quarterback out of the state of Texas, but Van Buren is a, uh, is, is a special talent in his own right. 
185 pounds, ranked just outside the top 100 in the 2023 class. But this is a guy who has a lot of those high-profile offers that you find with top quarterbacks. 17 reported offers. You got Alabama. You got Maryland that's going to be in there with Mike Loxley. Michigan, Oklahoma, Penn State. So no short, no shortage of big time quarterback, uh, you know, offers for Michael Van Buren. Uh, but he's really, really, uh, really mobile. Uh, I like, I like his talent in the uh, in the run game. As you see him putting a defender on skates, there, um, you know, definitely comfortable running the ball and, and improvising. And uh, you know, here he is showing off the deep ball as well. So you want a quarterback that can do a little bit of everything. Um, as we saw last year for Oregon, Bo Nix's mobility and his ability to hit the deep ball is, is something that's going to be valuable, even with Will Stein coming in to run his version of, of the offense. And then the last name I also want to throw out there for a quarterback target in 2024 is Austin Mack out of Folsom, California. Um, he's a, a really tall quarterback uh, in the 2024 uh, class, 6'6", 210. Uh, I've seen him play a little bit in person. I saw him at the UC report camp and um, in Oakland, but uh, he won the MVP award there. And I know he's been to Oregon numerous times and, and Folsom's a school that Oregon has some familiarity recruiting. So just to sum that question up, uh, we're coming up on an hour here, but just to sum that question up, you got Elijah Brown, Michael Van Buren, Dylan Rayola, although that's a bit of a long shot right now, I think. And uh, Austin Mack from Folsom. So I got two more questions and I think I'm going to probably wrap up the show. We're already coming up, up on coming up on an hour. So uh, let's go ahead and check out these questions. This question comes from Greg Pawson at Greg Pawson on Twitter. His question is who are the most likely players to leave the program in order to get down to 85? If you don't want to name names, can you at least guess positions or how many of them will be from players we just signed versus the current roster? Thanks. All right, yeah. So this is a question that you're seeing all over Twitter. I feel like anytime I talk about a transfer portal guy coming in or Oregon offering someone late in the 2023 class, people are asking, hey, we're over the 85 right now. Um, We're over the 85 right now. What what are we going to do? I think that you're still in general going to see some more movement for Oregon in the transfer portal. I was expecting to see more after the bowl game, but we really haven't seen a whole lot just yet. Cam McCormick is obviously the most notable one recently, uh, along with Maliki Montevallo. That's why I think that maybe they look to get another tight end just to, to add to depth in that room. I think you want to be right around four or five. So, I think I, I don't want to name any names because I don't want to speculate on guys transferring, but I think one group that I, I feel I feel confident saying that I think there's going to be some movement in is the wide receiver room. Uh, there's a lot of guys in that room that I think have just been at Oregon for a while and then haven't seen too much playing time and haven't carved out too much of a role. So uh, I think wide receiver is a room that we could maybe see some more movement at uh, for Oregon to, to help get down to that 25 or that 85 number. Maybe some defensive linemen, just because there's so many veterans coming back. I think there's going to be a lot of continuity from 2022 to 2023. Um, so there's some young names there that, that haven't played a whole lot at Oregon. Um, and then you also, I'm maybe going to throw out safety because they need a little bit more clarity there. Not necessarily guys that are going to transfer, but maybe we could see, maybe we see Jamal Hill 
uh, you know, try to go to the NFL draft, or maybe we see Steve Stevens try to go to the NFL draft. You know, they've played a lot of football at Oregon and they both have more eligibility. Uh, Brian Addison, another guy, that's three guys that are, you know, pretty much starters, if not at least in that starting rotation for Oregon that still need to make their intentions known for next year. So I think that those are guys that you have to watch um, in terms of getting down to that 85 number. All right. And the last question for today's podcast comes from Nicholas Eric Winchester at New Duck 1988 on Twitter. Nicholas asks, who do we who we think is replacing Pallage? Matt Pallage, of course, the uh, former co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach at Oregon. Uh, who came over from Baylor after uh, the 2021 season, and he has since returned to Baylor to become Dave Aranda's defensive coordinator, returning to his home state of Texas. So I think right now I don't have a lot of names that I can uh, comment on or you know bring to the discussion right now, but I would say that I think Oregon's new safeties coach is probably going to be someone with either ties to California or Texas because so much of that of the staff right now comes from those two states. Those are two major pipeline states. Um, and we were seeing what Oregon's doing in Texas, getting guys like Bowens, Porter, uh, Cozart, Austin Novosad, um, you know, Tyler Turner. You know, I'm, sur- I'm sure I'm forgetting a, a one or two guys, but Oregon is absolutely putting a whole lot of energy into recruiting the Lone Star State, which is what leads me to believe that I think it would be, be a smart move to hire a guy out of the state of Texas or from the state of California. Um, I think that those are two kind of the two tidbits that I have right now, right? You want a guy who can, who can recruit and a guy who can, uh, who can scheme it up. Right. And someone who's going to be, you know, well-liked by the peers and uh, they're going to have a good group to work with. Whoever takes the job at safety for Oregon. Uh, You have Evan Williams who comes in from Fresno state. Uh, you have right now at least Jamal Hill, Brian Addison, uh, JJ Greenfield, uh, Steve Stevens, um, and then you have some younger guys from previous classes. You have Trajan Williams from the 2022 class. Can't forget about him. And then Tyler Turner is already enrolled at Oregon. Cody DeCambra, who's an Under Armour All-American, is going to be playing in the Poly Bowl later this month. He's a stud coming out of uh, Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman. So you have some options there at safety for Oregon whoever ends up taking that job. Uh, and then we're going to, maybe we see Triquez Bridges move back to safety. I think someone uh, commented that earlier in the stream. You have Damon David, who's also out of the Baltimore area. Uh, we were talking about Michael Van Buren in the Baltimore area earlier in the show. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, the safety spot is an interesting one for Oregon and we're going to have to see what they're able to do. I'm surprised, a little bit surprised the hire hasn't been made already. But uh, obviously, that's not having too much of a negative impact for Oregon on their recruiting trail. But that's going to do it, guys. Uh, I mean, that was only like nine or ten questions, but we filled up an entire hour. So sorry I couldn't get to a lot of your questions in the live chat. But that's why you want to follow me on Twitter at mtouristsports to get your questions in for the next episode. But... With all that being said, thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your day to talk some duck football with me. Do me a quick favor, smash that like button and hit the subscribe button to subscribe to the channel where we're covering Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting. Uh, Really having a blast doing that. 
And then uh, do me a favor, head on over to DucksDigest.com so you can read all my latest recruiting intel and interviews with top recruits. Uh, And then you can also do me a favor to support the show, share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, family, and other Duck fans. Until next time, thank you guys so much for your support. You've been listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.